0: Hey there, listener. I want to thank you for listening to the National Land Realty Podcast. Now, please remember to like, share, and review our show. If you can, take a second, hit pause, and give us a quick review. It only takes about a minute to write what you think about the content that you hear on this show. Good or bad, we want to hear it. Thank you in advance. Now on with the show. of the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your host for this episode. Now, in this episode, we'll be discussing metal and steel pole barn buildings with Dan Nyberg of Morton Buildings. Now, we never expected to talk for over an hour about pole barn buildings, but This interview was extremely informative. The information that we cover is extensive and valuable. If you're trying to learn more about pole barn construction, Dan has been with Morton Buildings for over 30 years, and he knows everything that there is to know about this type of construction. We review price, build types, paint, and warranties on Morton products, as well as competitor products. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. and uh i'll just kick it off all right so i'm sitting here with dan nyberg of of morton buildings and morton buildings creates uh metal metal frame buildings or is it primarily metal or is it metal and wood frame
1: it's basically a wood frame most of them are covered with steel panels
0: okay so steel panel buildings um and and really, this is this is a cool topic because it's something that I think that people overlook quite a bit when when they're talking about land. And it's like you know, you have a house without a garage, and it's a basic need, right? Or you want to put a shop in, or or some kind of storage in it in on their land. And uh, I think it's something that everybody keeps an eye on, and people probably are a little uninformed on. So, hey, I wanted you to sort of jump in here, and tell me about you, your background, and and the company you work for.
1: Okay. Um, I'll do it just in the opposite order. company I work for <laughs> is Morton Buildings. All right. Um, Morton Buildings began in 1903. And when you go to World War II, that's when the company really experienced some growth because our company president at the time recognized that um, farmers were getting bigger and bigger equipment. And the cost of housing that equipment was something that was actually controlled by the government in terms of how much you could spend on a building during the war. And the idea of using what's called post-frame construction really became popular. So you go way back, and Morton was primarily an ag building company. And the old term for post-frame was pole barns. When they started, they used telephone poles. They put a truss between two of them. And you do enough of those, you can create a building. Um, the, The ag being the primary Portion of our business really ended probably ten to fifteen years ago. We have expanded significantly in commercial. We do a lot of residential, as in backyard buildings, man caves, uh, building next to the pool, uh, a building to store the camper in, a building to store the jet skis, the snowmobile, all the toys, toy boxes is the term we use for them. And we've just we've we've expanded significantly. We still do a lot of ag. We do a lot of farm. But in terms of that being majority, that is not the majority of our business at all. And I started with Morton in 1989. So coming up um, in uh, just a little bit over a week, I will celebrate my 33rd anniversary with Morton Buildings. I sold for 15 years selling in the field in northern Illinois, which is where I was based. And then I moved into the position of regional manager and I covered um, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, parts of Iowa, Missouri, and Kentucky. And then after a period of that, I moved in as director of sales for the company and was handling the overall sales approach. And during my time, we really made some strides forward in terms of modernizing, getting our salespeople using laptops, those sorts of things. And now I am working and I'm partially retired. I run about halftime with Morton and I am doing sales training, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. Working with new sales consultants, helping them get up to speed, helping them be equipped to really handle that interaction with customers that we want them to take care of.
0: Excellent. And, and so... In the, in the area that you're at, I mean, I'm guessing that's a, that is a lot. You, know, you mentioned getting out of primarily you know, the, the farm industry, ag industry, um, but the area that you're in sort of lends to that, right? Like that's probably, is it a majority of your business in your area or has it diversified here in the last 15 years?
1: Yeah, no, it, it has diversified across the board. We, we are building and we expect we'll have our first building shipped probably at the very end of the year in um, Idaho a new plant in Idaho, which is gonna allow us to expand into Washington, Oregon, and do a better job in Idaho. So up until about five years ago, we said we do everything up to basically the Rocky Mountains and East. And we decided, oh, let's go across the Rockies. So we now have people in Utah and Idaho and Washington um, looking forward and Oregon, and looking forward to growing in that area. But when you look across the country overall, We are a very diversified company in terms of the type of projects that we put together. So ag is, it is less than half because those others have just grown by virtue of people discovering post came post frame construction. It, it goes up fast. It's an economical way of building and you can have some beautiful, beautiful buildings when you're done with.
0: That's where I, I have gone through your, your, uh, your portfolio there of projects that, that you have. And, you know, growing up, actually, where, where are you at in Idaho now?
1: Idaho, where Pocatello is where the okay. plant is going up.
0: You're in Pokey. I, I'm in Boise, just north of there. So,
1: okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, growing up, you know,
0: m- metal buildings growing up was usually like somebody had leveraged an old Quonset hut and and thrown yes. that on their property and used that for what like it, it, it were where I was, it was grain storage, right? Like people would store their corn and their barley in there. And, yep. and, you know, maybe a tractor, right, to keep it out of the elements. And then it, kind of to, to what you said, a lot, of, a lot of the buildings going up now are the, the metal, you know, external buildings, but they look fantastic. Um, they, they, look, they, have, they have the same styling as the old school barns, um, but you're talking about something that's, that's very resistant to the elements. Uh, and you mentioned, you mentioned post frames going up very fast. Tell me a little bit about post frames versus their alternatives and sort of what you work with in those elements.
1: Okay. And if, if we're using that term, a steel building, because it is not uncommon at all that people will call and say, Hey, I saw your building going up down on highway seven. Um, now that's, that's a steel building, right? Well, it's post frame. So it's wood frame steel covered. Oh, oh, I was okay. I was thinking it would be a steel frame. So they get us confused very yeah. commonly. So post-frame construction, we are going to use in most cases builders today use a laminated column. So we will use three two by sixes, which are laminated together to create the support column vertically. You're going to have one of those on each side of your building, which supports the truss that goes across between them. You put those truss frame assemblies, two columns in a truss, you stack those up, and you're spacing between is really going to be dependent on engineering. Um, You're in Idaho. If you go very high elevation-wise, we may be down to six feet on center. We may be four feet on center because as you get to high, correct, your snow load elevation, your snow load really goes up. So you put your truss frame assemblies together. The sidewall, we put horizontal nailers fastened on there. Up on top of the truss, we put what are called purlins. And with Morton, all of that is wood once that framework is put together then in the vast majority of cases we are going to be putting steel panels on the side and the roof to finish that off to enclose it when you're talking steel buildings you've got a couple of other options that people see and they really need to, they need to spend the time to investigate to see what's available locally you've got what what are called light gauge steel buildings And those you're going to have, in most cases, it'll be built similar to a home with studs, but the stud is going to be a formed galvanized steel channel. In some cases, they use square rectangular tube, and you'll put those in vertically. You'll still need to run some horizontal nailers. In that case, it's going to be girts to be able to fasten your steel to. And then your truss is very often um, assembled on site out of similar material. Maybe it's rectangular tube that you'll put together. Oh, and those so are not that would
0: pre-built. Be... Okay. Uh, in the steel buildings, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. It, it, some of them may be, but a number of them are actually going to be constructed on site. Okay. And then you go up from there and you say, well, I, I don't know that I can handle something that light. And then you get into what people call the red iron steel buildings and they're called red iron because your steel is normally painted with a red oxide primer. So you see it and you see them running down the interstate. You'll see semis with just stacks of of steel. In that case, you're gonna have steel channel or steel I-beams. Now these are gonna be actually manufactured in a plant and they will have the holes in them, the tabs already attached, those sorts of things that you basically put together put them together on site by bolting them together. With red iron, you can be looking at, to use the post-frame terminology, your truss frame assembly, your wall column, plus your your truss across the top, or in their case, it may actually be a, a steel beam as opposed to a truss. Those may be spaced 20 feet, maybe 25 feet on center. And then you will have those steel members, again, going horizontal, which will be a formed steel, maybe a C-channel to give you that kind of span. That that kind of moves you from the simple lightweight. You can even buy some of those at Lowe's, Home Depot, those kind of stores. The red iron, you're going to be getting from a builder. And then the post frame, those are kind of the three. And then you already mentioned the fourth one, which is a Quonset style. And that basically looks like um, half of a huge culvert. <laughs> it's, <Right>. it's a, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a circular structure. Now, for, for the homeowner, if they're not looking, <laughs> how to say this nicely, if they're not looking for curb appeal to <laughs> complement their home, <laughs> then a Quonset style can work. And the beauty of it is what you basically need to put it together is a bunch of wrenches. Right, because you're going to get curved sections of steel that are already corrugated. You simply put them together and you put nuts and bolts through, tighten them up, you assemble and you form one rib, then you start the next one in front of it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Quonset is also still available. But again, and this is one of the challenges with your steel building. If you're If you really want to knock it out of the park, go back to your custom home builder and have him build your backyard storage building for you. Now he probably won't want to, because if he does a good job, custom home building, he wants to build that $300 a square foot home, not work on your storage building, but then you can get an exact match. You can have the same shingles. You can have the same siding, everything can be perfect. And people look and they go, those two belong together. What we encourage people to do is to think in terms of complementing. So, for example, one of the easiest ways to complement is to do a shingle roof and go ahead and match the shingles on the house. That's very easy to do. They're commercially available. You put the shingle roof on. Now, you want zero maintenance because you don't want to be out having to paint, touch up, take care of an accessory building. Go with a steel panel, get a complementary color. I I sold one building one time and I was absolutely amazed. Husband and wife were doing a stall barn and the wife is looking through the colors and she goes, Oh, perfect. That's it. That's the color. That's color. That's what my front door is going to be. Okay. So you, you want the color of your building because it matches your front door. Yes. And it was a full brick home. So there was very little color. Right. And she was looking at I'm going to paint that front door. It's going to be that that rich green and that evergreen is perfect. That's what I want. And it did look beautiful. It was an evergreen Wayne's coat, evergreen trim with ivory above it and tying in with the house. It looked great. So we encourage people to think in terms of. Curb appeal, because everyone says, no, I'm never going to sell. Don't believe it. Never say never. <laughs> There's going to come a time. And so let's build a building that will work the best. And let's build a building that complements your home well, so that the curb appeal factor really pops if that time comes that you're selling.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Kwanzaa Huts are not the prettiest thing in the world, but I did see... I just got back from a fishing trip in Alaska and okay I in a tiny little town on the coast, right? And we're we're looking for food. We just wanted to see if there were restaurants in the area because we just didn't feel like cooking. We were tired. And uh we walk into town and there's a, a big tall restaurant there that it was painted fluorescent pink, and <laughs> the back half of the restaurant was a Quonset hut that was also painted fluorescent. So if you've never seen a fluorescent pink Kwanzaa Hut. I have one for you. Um and the thing that shocked me. <laughs> yeah. The thing that shocked me too was that because I, I was looking at him I'm like, that's a Kwanzaa hut as a restaurant. That's really unique. And we walk around the back and I and I looked at it. It's like that it so what surprised me was that it looked like new construction. Cause whenever I've seen them, they they usually have those those World War II retrofit Kwanzaa huts. Yes. And I and I noticed that this one was brand new construction. So you you kind of reflected that that people are still building those. So it, it surprised me. Yep.
1: Now, the one thing to consider with Quonset, if, if a homeowner is thinking, I, I need this, I, I can do it, uh, my son and I can build it, we're going to get this thing done. Yeah, yeah. Your square foot of ground space does not translate into usable space. Because of the arc. For example because of the arch, you're yeah. backing a, a pickup in with a camper on the back, you're probably gonna need to be at least eight, maybe 10 feet away from your sidewall, depending on the overall size of the Quonset. And so those very edge spaces, you know, if you still have a push lawnmower, you can get one of those right up to the edge, <laughs> but that's gonna be about the only thing that's gonna fit there. So when, when people are thinking, if they do think Quonset, nothing against it, they are, yeah. they are serviceable buildings. If you're thinking, okay, I think a 30, I think a 30 by 60 would be perfect. Usable space is going to be significantly less than that 30 foot wide when you do the Quonset.
0: Gotcha. So I mean, I realize I hijacked the topic there because it was fun, but um, (laughs) going back to what to what you guys do and you mentioned the steel building, the light steel buildings. Um, what would, what would make somebody choose between those three? And, and I, and I think you kind of already alluded to the light steel basically it's going to be light use, right? It's going to be something where you it's like a storage shed kind of thing. You don't want to yes. out a whole lot of weight. So, so let's, you know, maybe go between the, the, uh, the, what do you say? The red, how red you? iron, red iron, yeah red iron <laughs> buildings and, and the pole buildings. Um, you know, what, what would be sort of the driver on decision-making there?
1: It's it's really it. That's an interesting, interesting question in terms of looking at it, because partially it is a geographic issue. If you go to the central U.S., come to the breadbasket, come to Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Missouri, all through the middle, post frame construction is very well accepted. It is something that people look at and say, you know what, we ought to take a look at that. You go to the south, go to Texas, and we work very hard to gain footing there. We're doing well, but we work much harder there because in that geography, red iron's the way we build down here, boys. We just need is a good red iron building. And so as you drive around, you're going to see significantly more red iron buildings. And let's face it, you're thinking of purchasing something. What's one of the best? encouragements for you, see multiple of them around and realize, you know, other people have thought this through and they, they went that route. Okay. I need to, I need to look at that. So one of the challenges is red iron has been going in the South for a long time. Now, in terms of what's one of the factors comes up all the time and we talk about it in sales training um, termites, you know what? I don't want to do a post frame building because I don't want termites. So I'm going to do a red iron building. You say, OK, that's fair. Now, now tell me about your home. So your home is built with steel studs. Well, no. <laughs> oh, your 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 home is wood studs. Yeah. So your home, you're not worried about termites, but the outbuilding you think you are. What, what's it? Do you treat the home? Yeah. Once a year I have termite. OK. Is there a reason you can't treat your accessory building? Oh, well, no, I guess I guess I could. So it's that's one of the issues. Um, part of it, comes down to, and this is, this is, it's difficult because I hate to say Morton isn't going to win in every time, (laughs) but it comes down to, you need to find a builder that you have confidence in that is going to give you the kind of service that will make the construction of your project a joy to do. When I started selling 33 years ago, and I've commented again to to some of the guys in class, I say, you know, you guys have it a lot tougher today. When I started, I just sold a building. Today, you have to sell an experience. And as crazy as it sounds, people are looking for, I want to have a good experience putting up this accessory building. And so now you start talking about, okay, how quick did the sales consultant get back in touch with them? Did they provide the kind of information that helped them make a good decision? One of the things that we push and really push heavily is take the potential customer on a building tour, get them in your car and take them to two or three buildings that are similar size and similar use so that they can see what it's like. In your head, you can can take graph paper and you can draw out, okay, this is how big my Trailer is with my jet skis on it. This is how big my bass boat is, and this is how big my camper is. Now, I'd also like to have room for the mower. Oh, and I got that garden cart. Well, <laughs> and I, I, yeah. And and you draw it out on graph paper. And the biggest comment, and the second second closest is nowhere close. The biggest comment we get from people when the building is done, I should have made it bigger. Doggone it, I should have made it bigger. Because you, you're in that battle of how much can I afford to spend? How much space do I really think, think I need? And in my mind, the best way to determine that is to get in a building that someone is doing similar with and look at it and go, wow. So, okay, this, this, is, this is 30 by 45, right? Yeah. Oh, I'll never, I'll never fit. I. <laughs> I I can't get all my stuff in here. There's, there's no way. Okay. So th- the biggest issue in your geography, what, what is common? What do you see people are building? What kind of service are you getting from the company? Because you do not want to go through a construction project, feeling that you have to be watching your builder at every turn, because you know, they're going to try to pull something on you and feeling like, you know, I, I really just don't get along with him, but I think he's going to build a decent building. So I'm just going to gut it out. That's that's not worth doing. So finding that that relationship with a quality builder is going to be a biggie. And when you talk to that builder, you should be able to ask them, can you tell me some buildings in the area that you've built? I may want to talk to one of, those, one of those owners. I want to know what's going on. And that's where we love to take people on a tour when the building owner is there and let that building owner talk to the prospective customer and let them talk and get. So how was it like? I mean, was Nyberg any good? I mean, he talks a good line, but did he actually show up when you were building the building? What's, what's going on here? So I think that's going to be a big part of it. Now, if, if you are in an area where you have the requirement for stamped plans. So in other words, structural plans for your accessory building. And that again, is a geographic kind of a thing. You get to, to Kansas and Oklahoma and stamp plans, we don't care, build the building. It's, it's much less now, obviously in the populated areas, they have it, but it's really quite open. In Illinois, we're finding more and more of the counties are saying, we wanna see stamp plans. If you need stamp plans, that is not a negative because what it does is it allows you to compare similar buildings because they are both designed for a 30-pound ground snow load. They are both designed for 105-mile-an-hour wind load. You You get things lined out so that the structure and the covering combined are going to both perform relatively evenly engineering wise. And that's a really good way to be able to compare.
0: So you just mentioned stamp plan. What, can you clarify what a stamp plan is?
1: Okay, um, when, we, when we send out a building for our crews to build, we have construction plans that, that go for the crew. Yeah. But in many cases, you're going to find that your permitting authority is going to require that you provide plans that have been stamped That means they've been reviewed and approved by an architect and engineer for the overall construction. And people get all, they get all shook about this and they go, I didn't need that for my house. What's the deal? Home construction is covered by a different code book. And that residential code book is a prescriptive code. So, in other words, to build a home with stud wall construction, you can go in the code book and you can look, and it will tell you how many nails you use to attach your top sill plate to the stud. It will tell you what the maximum height of a two by four stud wall can be. It goes through all of that in a prescriptive mm-hmm. manner. When you get to the other types of construction, and post frame construction is a type 5B in the IBC, International Building Code language. There, it is not a prescriptive code, now it's a performance code. And so the code will simply say, in this area, you must have a roof load of X number of pounds per square foot. And that's where the stamp plans show the entire assembly and it indicates that an architect or an engineer has reviewed it and basically stamps it saying, I approve this. That is submitted to your permitting authority, and now you're able to get your permit. Okay. Without that, I was about that. won't won't do it. You're not building. Yeah. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Cause because you were mentioning, you were mentioning moving the the studs closer or further apart depending on snow load, which is exactly. Like what you just said, different than a house yes. where it's like, no, these are sixteen inches apart every single time, yep, all the time. So, so yeah. So you yep. have some variability given on area, um, and you touched on something else. Uh, well, a couple of things there. One, it, the the transition of most products and sales, you know, interactions being driven by the customer nowadays. It is really the, the in, every industry, especially especially ours in real estate, right. Yes, um, the consumer experience is by far and away the single most important piece of the equation. Um, yep. they have a bad experience. It, it used to be like you were sort of at the mercy of the salesperson once you got one and it's not that way anymore. You can, you can go find somebody else immediately. Um,
1: customer drives, no doubt about it. And, and, and a lot of
0: it, it's funny because a lot of organizations really have not shifted that focus to be customer oriented and it, and it hurts them in a big way. Um, but, but it 's
1: amazing with with Morton, I mean we 're tracking in terms of okay, when was the lead received? When did the sales consultant make contact? We yes. use CRM where they have to track all their interactions we 're watching that phenomenally close because people 's expectation and it 's it's, it's an interesting shift in my mind again, when I started thirty years ago someone would call into our construction center. That's one of our local offices. We have about a hundred of those around the country. And they would talk to, at that point, our um, construction center administrator was Carolyn. They would talk to Carolyn and say, you know, I want to do this. Oh, the person who handles that is Dan Nyberg. Um, you know, it's 1.30. He already called in this afternoon. So I may not hear from him until tomorrow morning or later, but I will get him that message when he calls in. And people were, they were happy. Okay. I called, you're going to give them the message. I'll probably hear from them tomorrow. We've had people who have signed up online from our website and will call two hours later. Why hasn't someone called me yet? I don't understand. I've, I, I, I got in touch with you people. Why doesn't someone get back to me? They are very, they have very high expectations. And if a company is going to survive well, where you have that interaction with johnny q public as your end consumer you have to pay attention to that in a big way
0: absolutely 100 percent agreed um so i was going to say if, if i'm reading between the lines here from from what you're saying between the the red iron and post frame construction a lot of it comes down to your resources and your preference um are there price decisions or structural decisions that could drive that or, or i mean i'm I'm guessing a lot of it's the same, but, uh, you know, is there other sort of things that you would take into account?
1: Well, one of the, one of the aspects and the steel frame people, they won't like the comment, but if you go on their websites and you look at it, traditionally steel frame has been a low pitch roof. So the pitch Mm -hmm. of the roof is how steep is it? And that's normally stated in terms of how many inches of rise for every foot of run. So you know, for a home with 412 pitch, every foot you come in from the sidewall, the roof is four inches taller. Steeper pitch is a 612 pitch. The steel frame traditionally have been maybe one half 12. And so it's a very flat appearing roof, which in today's world, with the, the upper scale homes having maybe 1012 12 12 pitch with dormers and with you know multiple valleys very complex roof systems to put a half 12 roof on an accessory building out behind a, a lot of people look at it and go it it doesn't it doesn't fit yeah, <laughs> you know the yeah. curb appeal issue just got just got kind of kicked on it post frame because of the fact that it is wood and have we have yeah. more ability to modify in the field. We have tended to put more of the extras on it. And so you'll find post frame to do a 612 or an 812 pitch in post frame is not a problem at all. Now you start matching the house a little bit. We love to do porches. People love porches that give me some outside space that is covered in terms of rain, but is kind of open so I can be more a part of what the activities in the backyard that's just as normal as can be with post frame. And so we'll put porches on, we do dormers, we do just a lot of things that dress it up, which if a person thinks significantly in advance, they're going to realize they really probably do not want just an accessory building to park the jet skis in the camp because that it's, it's, it's not far from the garden. And we'd like to keep our garden tools in there. And, you know, we've wanted to put the pool. You know I don't know if we can do an in-ground, but we can do one of those four-footers and we'll build the deck around it and have that. You know, if maybe we could use the accessory building, like, you know, kind of as our pool house, you know, if we could have, so people could go in there and change and it's right now. Oh, that'd be perfect. Well, if they're going to do that, somebody's going to want to sit in the shade. Let's do a porch. Those extras being added to it really, really make it functional where after the crew is left after the people are moved in and using their building they're just plain saying you know what i just love it this building is the best thing we ever did in order to make use of our property
0: yeah and and you and you did mention you know moving away from agriculture you have a huge diversity in building types um yes because and and yeah. To to add to that, not just storage and not just shops, you have full homes and cabins on there. And you yes, gotta tell me, because the, the phrase is new to me, a shouse, which I'm guessing is shop house.
1: But uh, yeah, that's one term for it. Yes.
0: <laughs> walk me through that one. <laughs>
1: Okay. Um, another term, if you go if you go south, they like the term barn dominiums. I have heard barn dominiums. Yes, that's that's... Okay. Um, Basically, what happened on that? Individuals were were purchasing post frame buildings for a lot of different uses. And when you start looking at um, the ag use, it was not uncommon that they would be putting up a large farm shop. So maybe they're looking at a 60 wide, maybe an 81 wide farm shop. It's going to be 18 tall or 20 feet tall to get the height for the doors to be able to get equipment in and out. And they're putting it all together. And then they put an office in it because let's get the office out of the house. You know, mama doesn't like all the mess we got in there. She doesn't like all the hired people coming in. Let's move that all out there. And then they say, you know, upstairs we could we could actually put like, a. we could almost make an apartment up there. We, we wanna have a restroom in the shop anyway. So we've already got the set up for septic and water. Yeah, let, okay, let's go. And they started putting more into the buildings in terms of the way it went together. Another aspect of it, and this is an interesting one because this is where zoning. Now zoning and building permits, zoning permit, building permit, two different things. Building permit deals with the structure itself. In most cases, zoning permit deals with the use of the structure.
0: Versus Can I
1: build this Yes. Yeah. on the property? And so in the in the Midwest, we've seen more counties that get fired up about this. People would you've got you've got your home, you're living there, you're in your 50s, you're dreaming about retiring, you buy 20 acres. You got the woods out there and you want to put up a building because, you know, we go there and hunt. and We have picnics and we just we don't want to haul everything back and forth. Oh, you know, if if we actually finished off part of it, that would really be handy, you know, because like deer season, um, I, I got to be getting up at like four thirty five in the morning to get I'd rather stay there. OK. And they want to do more now zoning looks askance at that in many cases because they don't want to have an accessory building built before the primary residence. So that's where, where you can end up. You can end up with some tension there in terms of how it gets done, which, I mean, let's face it, it's reality. There are a lot of individuals who build a storage building that six months later, developed some interior stud walls and <laughs> a couple of bedrooms in a small kitchen area. So there's been a couple of drivers that got people started to do that. And recently, it's been more a situation where we have an amazing insulation package that goes into our buildings. We call it the energy performer. And it was developed back in the 1980s in terms of when we first started to do this, we'll use a blanket of insulation that will extend from column to column, unbroken. So if we're seven, six or eight foot on center, we've got insulation that goes column to column. We'll go from floor to above ceiling level in one piece that is six inch thick R19 insulation for a standard building with two by six columns. That energy performer developed in the 80s meets current energy codes with very, very minimal changes required. So people realize these things are really efficient to heat. Wow, maybe we ought to do a little bit more. And then they realize, you know, if we put a a 10 foot porch and wrap it around the end and put um, Pella windows and a real nice Pella entry door and we put, um, yeah, maybe shingle roof all of a sudden it becomes a a very energy efficient, very minimal maintenance required structure. And that's the same as the person who bought the 20 acres and plans on retiring in another 10 to 15 years. I want it to be energy efficient and I would like it to be zero maintenance because when I go out to my property, I'm not gonna spend time painting window trim. I am not gonna spend time working on all these things. I want it, no maintenance, but I want it to look decent. And then they just kind of started to grow in terms of the use of it.
0: Yeah. That's the, the, the maintenance factor is, is a big one for me. I mean, I grew up in an area that I, I seldom saw a shingled roof uh, just because of yeah. where I grew up. It was all metal, metal roof. Yep. And And now that I live, you know, in, in suburbia, I'm looking at my roof that I have to replace the shingles. And it's like, man, I just want a metal. Roof. <laughs> it's Like so much better, so much less hassle. Um, yep.
1: those are very popular.
0: It's, it's a, it's, it's so much more useful. Um, what's you mentioned, like your average residence, you know, like we're looking at ranges in residential building between like 300 and in some case, 500 bucks a foot. Um, what's, what's sort of the range, And I realize there's probably going to be a big range, but for one of these buildings, what's, what's a general sort of rule of thumb on, on, you know, cost per square foot on one of these.
1: That is a really, really challenging number.
0: Really broad. I I wanted to put you down there. There we go.
1: Yeah. We, we build, we build in, um, let's, let's go to Texas, but not go to the coast. Let's go to Florida, but not go way South. And so we can be building in areas where there's zero snow load. You just you don't have to provide st- structure for snow load at all. Um, you get down along the coast, you get south in Florida, you've got wind load, load and yeah. there we're going to have some extra things we need to do to address the wind load on the building. And then you work your way through, and you get into the midsection, and you're talking twenty pound, thirty pound snow load. You get to Minnesota, North Dakota, and you're talking sixty pound, maybe eighty pound snow load, and those loads are reflected in your overall cost. So the difficulty is to pick a number and say, here's a good cost uh, per yeah, square yeah. foot. The people in Texas are going, that's ridiculous. That's crazy high. And the people in Minnesota are going, I'll take three of those. Hey, how many how <laughs> quick can I get them? Well, no, it it doesn't work for you.
0: <laughs> right. So so no. what, what would be, you know, what would be a Texas and what would be an Idaho? Just because I'm thinking about heavy uh, snow load and no snow load. <laughs>
1: Oh, my. You're 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 making it difficult. No, I can let you
0: chew on that one, too. Um,
1: Yes, that would be good, because let me um, let me do a little bit of looking here. So so let's continue.
0: Another question I had is so that's a multiple questions. Do you have to have a foundation and uh, do they do two stories?
1: Do they do two stories? You bet, but that is not a problem at all. We will do two stories. Do you have to have a foundation? That is something which is very much um, an open, um, open option as far as how mm-hmm. that goes together. Because when we're talking about post-frame construction, we basically put a footing underneath each of our columns. Now, we can build on a foundation wall. That's not a problem. We can do that if someone if someone really wants to do that, I, I built seven churches when i was when I was selling, and every one of those churches I put on a foundation wall. And I explained to the people. I said, "Here's the deal. You need every person in this church to support this. And I guarantee you right now, there are some people who are saying, We shouldn't be building a pole barn for church. We aren't going to put those things in the ground. So let's make sure that we take care of them by putting this on a foundation wall. So we can put it on a foundation wall, but the standard or more common method with post-frame construction is a footing underneath each of our columns. We have a Morton foundation system that uses a, pre-stressed concrete lower column and that gets set in the ground and then we pour ready mix around that to form the footing underneath they each watch. one.
0: Okay.
1: When you are talking about the um, other style of other style of, of buildings, of steel frame, when you go with the lighter the lighter gauge and if you wanna go for the you know the really, okay, let's go, let's go wild here in terms of being able to do this as simple as we can, You can actually build that light gauge where you're using a formed steel C channel or tube. You can build that on top of landscape timbers that are sitting on top of some concrete pavers that you use to level it up. That's not an unreal thing. If you're talking a simple storage type building. Yeah. When you're talking red iron there, you're going to be one of two options. Either you're going to be building it on a standard foundation wall Or they can build where it is done on concrete piers. And a concrete pier is going to be, you excavate down, you have to have the size of your footing is part of your engineering. So in other words, when you're talking about putting this thing together and what do we do, you are going to use the size of the footing to reflect what the total load on that support member is. Okay. And so you can use that as a way to um, put things together. So you do not have to have a foundation. Okay. But you're, you're going to need some concrete to be able to build a red iron. And with a post frame, we're going to have concrete going into our footing. Now, gotcha. one of the advantages of that aspect is, uh, I hate to do it, but I got to build as big as I can. Yes, that's good. Build as big as you can. Because if we do this in phases, in five years or 10 years, you're gonna be happier than if we build the complete thing today done and use 100% of your budget to do it. So in other words, my budget today, I can only afford X number of dollars. Let's build the biggest shell we can. And then we can come back, we can pour a concrete floor in a year or two. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. We can come back, we can insulate the shop area two years after that. And now you're setting out the phases so that over a a two year a four year a six year kind of a time frame you can get things put together the way you want them without breaking breaking the bank when you first get that's, started.
0: That's really fascinating. I would have never thought about building something out like that in phases, where like we can add the floor later and hey, I can insulate it like in ten years. Like the, I you know a building like that you would you would picture that there would be some kind of you know it would be kind of a to do, but you're talking about just not nah, just go in and throw it in, and you know that's that's how you set it up. Um, yep. What's so? And, and I realize this is another probably question that with a lot of variability, but how fast do these go up? Because it seems like they go up pretty quick.
1: They do. They do. They can go up very fast. Now it depends on the complexity yes. in terms of what you're putting together. But if you're talking about Um, let's say that somebody is just saying, you know, I need a 36 by 60. Um, I got a pretty big camper. I do have, well, I got the ski boat and I got the bass boat and I got the jet skis. Yeah, I I need, I need 36 by 60. That's something that we probably, once the material is delivered, assuming the site is ready. So in other words, we got to get a level site before we get started. And that's your least expensive way to build is to get your site work done before there's any part of the building there. Get it level, get it compacted, get everything ready to go. If the site work is done, our building material package is there, the crew shows up, a 36 by 60 without a lot of extras on it, could be finished in probably a week and a half, two weeks at the outside. No. Okay.
0: So in a world of convenience, these are very convenient.
1: They are amazingly convenient. They are wonderful convenient.
0: Gotcha. Um, and you, you mentioned wind load, and that's something that I would think about with with, you know, any kind of a building. But especially when you're talking, you know, a steel frame or steel external building, how they how they take the brunt of the wind. How strong are they in, in strong wind environments?
1: We have had some amazing, amazing stories of customers who their building has stood up to hurricane coming past. Um, it was two or three years ago, um, hurricane in Florida came through and the only building left was a Morton building. And the emergency people came and said to the owner, can, can we use your building? There, there's, there's nothing else here that's still standing. And Bengals, they moved into it. The, the type of construction where we have our column set in the ground with that poured in place footing at the bottom of it. Gives us an effective, if you're familiar with the term a dead man, Yep. if you want to you know, have that support, we have a dead man underneath every one of our columns that if you try to pull it out of the ground, it ain't coming out. That's
0: a it's really interesting way to put that is that you have a dead man under every truss, or sorry, every stud? Yes.
1: Yep. And so that gives us some amazing, amazing support that way. And then the way that the buildings go together, they simply stand up to phenomenal wind load. Morton has a five year unconditional wind load warranty. Okay. First five years, the building is up. If it gets blown down, we are gonna rebuild it at no cost. Now, does that mean that every Morton building stands up to everything? No. As an, as an extreme, <laughs> we have we have one building, it's in Illinois. It's a farm building. We have built it three times.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: We built it. And everything was there. And we got a call from the customer saying, hey, we had a tornado come through. Our building is gone. We said, "Okay, um, do you want to make any changes? Because our warranty still allows you to say, you know what? I should have built it bigger. You're going to get credit for the original size. But he said, no, the building was perfect because it was like two years old. And it got absolutely flattened. And he says, no, perfect, just the way it was. So we were able to pull the original material list, run it, boom, we had the crew out there in no time, built his building for him again. About a year and a half later, got a call from the same customer. You aren't gonna believe it, my building's gone. (laughs) We said, have you you considered putting this building in a different spot? because I don't know that that's a great place for a building. He goes, no, no, that, that, that's it. And we came back and we rebuilt that original structure again. So it's not, it's not that they are indestructible. Yeah, yeah. But they are a very, very strong building. Uh, the last hurricane that came through in Florida, we had a customer, and this is one that you just go, wow, this is pretty wild. Um, they went out and spent the hurricane in their Morton building. And they took video that they sent to us and she took video out the windows and says, uh, that's 105 mile an hour winds right now. And I'm in my Morton building and it was not budging. It was not moving. Now that building was a stall barn. Yeah. So it was a horse barn, which means we had our exterior columns on each side wall. Then we had a row of columns interior In the yeah. at the face of each of the stalls. So each that's called a rafter assembly instead of a yeah. truss frame assembly. But now I've got four columns with four dead men every place I have one of those assemblies. Very stable way to build.
0: Stable.
1: Very stable way to build. <laughs> and the customer just said, Hey, it's a hurricane. I'm gonna go, I'm going to my Morton building because I'll, I'll, I'll spend it out there. And the video is just amazing to watch because you're looking out the window and going, oh, Lordy, that'd be nasty.
0: <laughs> so, you, so basically you have, you have customers sending you marketing material, which is a pretty fantastic thing.
1: It is. It is marvelous. Yes, we have we have a an amazing base of very satisfied customers. When you go back and realize we have way over 500000 buildings out there, there's oh, really? a lot of people okay. that own Morton's.
0: So one thing I was curious about is the the finish on the metal. So in the in the case of like you've got homes, right, where people yep. have done their home with this, um, what's the what's the percentage of or or what's the likelihood of color chipping or or paint finish chipping? Is, is that is that something that you see very often, or something you should be concerned yeah. about, or what's the
1: No, there's there's two basic paint types that are primarily used by the and Morton is is kind of unique in that we roll form our own steel panels. Most of the builders are going to buy steel panels from a steel service center. Because it's just it's it's a lot of work to roll form your own steel. And so those steel service centers and so forth it is very common that they will use silicone modified polyester, SMP, silicone modified polyester. That was the standard paint years ago for any of these buildings. In today's world, there is a 70% polyvinylidene difluoride, PVDF. So SMP and PVDF are kind of the two paints. And your 70% polyvinylidene difluoride is a paint which has phenomenal gloss retention and color retention. They simply don't fade quickly. Okay. And you think about, okay, so how big a deal is fading? And it's interesting, we have people who, again, they're, they're trying to justify, I don't know that I can afford a Morton, so I'm gonna go this other route and I have to make myself feel good about it. Um, you know, I'm not worried about fade because the whole building's gonna fade at the same rate. You know, it's who cares if it fades a little bit because it's all going to fade the same. You say, okay, And so that like that oak tree, if if a big branch comes down and you need to replace one roof sheet and two side sheets, what do you think about fade at that point if it's 20 years down the road? Oh, oh, yeah, that's a bigger deal (laughs) or doing building additions. It's not unusual. People will buy a building and then say, oh, shoot, I should have made it bigger. Can, can you just get, give me a price at, at 30 feet onto the end of it? I just I just need this building bigger. And when you're doing that, especially with residential, which, you know, is primarily the type of building you're looking at the, you know, the storage building, the man cave, the accessory structure, you really don't want to have two different colors right out there, the original 60 feet plus that additional <laughs> 30 feet. And so the polyvinylidene difluoride is a, an excellent, excellent option for that. Kynar, Trinar, Fluorapon, there's a number of trade names for it that are all equivalent paints. And it's interesting because the majority of the steel centers supplying a corrugated steel, a formed steel panel, will offer both. They will offer the SMP, siliconized modified polyester. They will also offer, and they will clearly state, it is a better performing paint, the polyvinylidene difluoride. So if someone's looking, they should check with their builder to say, do you offer, I don't know how to say it, but it's PVDF. <laughs> Can I get that for my paint? And that is going to give you a much better performing paint. Our paint awesome. is warranted for 35 years in terms of peeling, checking, fading, chalking, and the appearance of red rust and so you can get very good performance on steel panels
0: and you mentioned that you, you the the morton roll forms their own steel so is it, is it is is the company fully kind of vertically integrated are you producing a lot of the materials that you build with or, or is it yes okay
1: we we have we have production plants for the building material package gettysburg pennsylvania Coleman, alabama morton illinois Winfield, Kansas, Spencer, Iowa, and then our new one in Pocatello. And we will manufacture the columns. We create the laminated columns. Our Morton foundation system, that concrete lower, is only done at one plant, and that's in Morton, Illinois. But we also manufacture our trusses, put those together, um, we send out the the purlins, we send out the nailers. And then the beauty of it is when we're sending out our steel, we are going to roll form to the one half inch length. If you are doing a, a given building and you're buying from a steel service center, you're going to need to get whatever length steel they stock because they're not going to, it would be expensive for them to order in special steel for one building. Right. So that's going to be a little different. So we, we send ours out and the steel is cut to one half inch. So 21 foot, two and one half inches is not at all uncommon for us to be able to produce a steel panel like that.
0: So one, it's a way to curb waste, but two, it's a way to QA pretty much everything that you guys put out. You can make sure that you're putting out quality steel as opposed to somebody else who just, when you build something, you just buy trusses and you're hoping that the truss facility put it together in a good way. You've got everything dialed from a manufacturing standpoint and people know exactly what they're getting. That's a really unique situation for I think, especially a Builder, you see it, you see it with, with some of the prefab log stuff. You'll, you'll yes. see that kind of stuff or yeah, you know, but- any, any of the modular or prefab stuff. You can see some of that, but a lot of them are still outsourcing. And it's not like they're making the logs, right? So it's, yes. it's, you're, making your own, you're making your own stuff there. That's a really unique situation. That's cool.
1: And that's, that's part of the reason we can give the warranties we give with confidence we know that the the way we roll form our steel with gentle you know form in terms of we have a rounded high rib instead of a, an angular one yeah we're stressing the steel less in terms of bending with with smp siliconized modified polyester you're going to find that as the steel gets roll formed and you have a, a very severe crease formed you can actually get cracking of the paint
0: you have weakness and yeah.
1: A weakness. And the bottom line is if, if most people never see them, but if you would see the warranty from that steel panel supplier, they will slay, say something to the effect of slight cracking or crazing on roll formed edges is standard and is not ground for warranty coverage. So we use a different base steel. Ours is not full hard steel, it's commercial steel. And then the way our panel is formed, it takes care of it. We have the five year wind warranty. We have the 35 year paint warranty and we give a 50 year snow load warranty on our Morton buildings. You put a building up. If you can get enough snow on it, that it collapses, it fails due to excessive snow. We're going to rebuild it in the first 50 years. That's kind of unusual in today's world.
0: (laughs) It is. It really, really is. I mean, because, you know, Coming from where I think a lot of people's first thought when I think of metal building or steel building, it's it is like that Kwanzaa Hutter. We always called it Texas siding, where you just picture like corrugated metal, like slapped on the side of a building. Yep. Like you, you have those yep. pictures. And, and, but like, no, you're talking about a fully customized, warranted solution that's, that's bomb proof and that can go out into the elements. It's a really unique, a really unique product. Um, th- did you have any luck on pricing?
1: Okay, on pricing. I get to put you on the spot now. Let me
0: put your feet in the fire here.
1: Yep. Um, What what I have, we have as part of our overall um, setup, um, we have some low to high numbers, which our commercial group puts together when they're dealing with someone and they need some starter numbers in terms of what should I be working with here. And so, for example, um, commercial equine. We say you're going to be on the low end 120, on the high end 165 dollars a square foot. That's going to be an equine setup for commercial. There's going to be stamp plans, everything yeah, else yeah. included in that. If you are talking about a warehouse, very similar 125 to 150 dollars a square foot for residents for homes. We say you need to be thinking 240 to 280. That's With a lot of chachis in it, right? (laughs) That's with a lot of extras Um, for a garage, 125 to 150. If you're talking about just the basic shell itself and someone saying, you know, I'm going to do the concrete later. I just want to get something up that I can park my stuff in, have it undercover, have it under lock and key i'm going to say you probably are going to be coming in at about one half of that garage number okay Um, you're going to be 60 bucks a foot you may be able to do it for less than that depending on how close you are to the construction center what kind of snow loads everything else you have
0: well and and the one thing and that's mostly informational especially for anybody listening so they can plan a budget but the one thing that somebody can do is listen to those numbers and come in there and say i heard it was this price because it depends on exactly like what you said manufacturing nearby um you know materials cost at the time and then what kind of things they added like you can't you can't throw up a palace and then demand 60 bucks a square foot but it does give things, and i appreciate you i I appreciate the fact that you responded to me putting you on
1: the spot for that (laughs) hey we'll we'll try to give a number that's somewhat usable anyway
0: perfect well hey um you know i i had you budgeted for an hour um and i want to be respectful of your time i try not to hold people hostage here too long so um (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's been very people...
1: enjoyable talk.
0: I agreed. Agreed. Um, tell me how, how do people get a hold of you? How do they initiate contact? And what's the best way to do business with with Morton Buildings?
1: The the simplest way in terms of putting things together is to go to our website, mortonbuildings.com, buildings plural, all one word. And on there you can fill out a contact form. And the way that works full disclosure in terms of people understanding how that works. We have a group that is the first responder to that, Mm -hmm. because when you're talking about leads coming in from the website, some of them are quality leads. And by quality, what I mean is they are actually in a position to make a purchasing decision. Um, an example of a non-quality lead from a sales consultant's perspective. (laughs) Well, somebody that says, um, my husband is thinking of retiring in five years. We're looking to buy some ground and we just want to have a budget number for what a storage ah, building would cost. I gotcha. We know what we could spend, okay? We have a group that takes those and goes through and gives them those general numbers. So you they want will like give a them
0: department?
1: Yes. That's that amazing. will handle it. Now, if you are... Let's go back to that, quote, qualified buyer. So now you talk to this first person who gets this lead and you say, "Okay, um, do you have ground? Yes, I do. Okay, And have you talked financing at all? I've talked to my bank. I believe I'm set. I've got an idea of what I could spend. Beautiful. When are you thinking of building? I'd like to build. Well, man, it's October, Uh, maybe next spring, but I'd like to get it up relatively soon that's going to be considered a qualified lead that will go directly to the sales consultant. So what we're doing is our sales consultants, the number of leads we've gotten in the last since I hate to even bring up that term pandemic Uh, but when everybody was locked at home and Uh just went nuts online. The number of leads we've gotten has gone through the roof. It's astounding. And so if we're passing all of those to sales consultants, They end up not being able to spend the time with the qualified lead they should spend. So we developed another department saying we need to handle leads. We need to give that tire kicker the information they need so that they can feel like, hey, I called Morton. I got good information. This is good. This is good. And we also need to take those people who are in a position to make a purchasing decision. And we need to get them to a sales consultant right now. And so the best way is to go to the website, fill out the form there, take care of it. The other option, and realize there's a number of people that take this, we have 100 plus construction centers scattered around the US. On the website, you can go to locations. You can simply put in your zip code or your location. It is going to show you which construction center would service your area. And if you look at that and you say, Well, shoot, that's 18 miles from here. I'd just as soon drive to the construction center. Most of them have a construction center administrator who is going to be staffing that for normal business hours. You could feel free to stop. You can pick up brochures. The majority of them, not all of them, the majority of them are in a Morton building. And so you can kind of see what it looks like there. And there they will put you in touch with the sales consult. Now, full disclaimer. If a sales consultant is sitting in their construction center waiting for someone to walk in, I wanna kick him in the rear and say, you need to get out and do your job. We <laughs> no, do yeah. not, we do not staff those as you would, for example, a model home. You're not gonna be able to just so, stop
0: in and knock on the door and get like they're gonna stop what they're doing for a job and show you around. Correct. Yeah.
1: Correct. Now, sometimes it happens. We've had people say, you know, I just took a shot at it. I stopped by and my salesman was in, we talked, we set up an appointment for a week out. He came out, man, it's been wonderful. Again, that experience issue, if it works, that's fantastic. But expectation wise yes. realize it is going to be rare to have the sales consultant in the construction center at a random time, random right, occurrence. Right.
0: That makes sense. Well, Dan, I can't, I can't express enough how much I appreciate your time. And I feel I, I, I feel like I I learned more, much more than I thought I would in a short amount of time. I'm like, wow, that was a lot of information. So I'm I'm absolutely appreciative of, of well, thank the thank you, willing to spend, man.
1: I was very happy to do it. I 33 years talking Morton Buildings. I was in the Badlands two weeks ago with our daughter, son-in-law, and their six kids wearing a Morton Buildings jacket, and we are on a hike. Back in the middle of the Badlands, there is nothing anywhere close. <laughs> and a guy goes, oh, Morton Buildings. <laughs> and we stood and talked Morton Buildings for about 15 minutes. My wife is now used to it, realizes that's just the way life is. That's the way it happens. She married but into I am, it. <laughs> I am very happy, very happy to talk about Morton. And I thank you for the opportunity to uh, to spend this time with you. I hope that your target audience gets some good information that will be valuable for them.
0: I I think it would almost be impossible not to, man. I I, I greatly appreciate it.
1: All right. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you. This concludes episode number 19 of the National Land Realty Podcast, discussing metal and steel pole barn buildings with Dan Nyberg of Morton Buildings. You can learn more about land ownership and the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com. reminder please like review and share our show our show doesn't get found if people don't talk about it and hit that like button so if you found this show valuable others will too make sure to share it as we get reviews we'll share them on the podcast now thank you again and we'll see you next time